Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Love Talk Radio. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in once again to the place where sports opinions collide. Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the NBA. That's right, the playoffs are here and Dead End Sports has it covered from all angles. We'll talk about the matchups. We'll talk about possible candidates for the Knicks head coaching job. We'll also talk about players having to validate their careers with championships. We're also going to get in some hip-hop talk as well. Of course, I'm going to be joined by my boys, you know my partners from Dead End Hip Hop, B, Ken, and FIFO. So pass the word. Dead End Sports. It's about to go down. Right now. Thank you for tuning in once again. It is Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That could only mean one thing. It is time for the most innovative, interactive sports show here on the Internet. You are listening live and locked in to Dead End Sports, the place where the sports opinions collide. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, the number 646 646- Four seven eight zero three five six. This is an interactive show. We ask that you not just listen to the show, be a part of the show, participate in tonight's discussion. There's a couple of ways you can do that. You can log into the chat room. The chat room is always open and interactive. Just create a profile for yourself and participate in, in tonight's discussion. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter if you're on Twitter at Dead End Sports. Uh, you can also hit us up individually. Uh, hit me up at 12Kyle, the number one, two, K-Y-L-E, at Beezy, B-E-E-Z-Y, 430, uh, at King, King K-B-I-N-G-E, and at FIFO, 247. Uh, remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night, so in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports you can also check us out at stitcher as well if you have an android or iphone just go to your application store download the stitcher application for free search dead end sports and listen at your leisure at home or on the go 
Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook as well. If you have a Facebook page, uh, just go to Dead End Sports uh, on Facebook.com backslash Dead End Sports and like the page, become a fan of the page. And also check out our website, DeadEndSports.com. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Got a lot of sports to talk tonight. Hot and heavy, as I mentioned in the intro, NBA playoffs. We got it covered. We got it locked for the next two hours. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Dead End Sports is back on the air again. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not introduce my co-host. First, hailing from the Motor City. <laughs> a huge fan of the bad boys uh, of, of of yesteryear. We're going to bring my man B.B. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? Chilling, chilling, bro. How you? Man, I'm great. I'm great. Can't complain. Good, 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 good. Next, we got to bring in uh, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> right here for the ATL, my man Ken. Ken, what's up, man? Man, sitting here watching this BS, man. <sighs> Pacers, you know, getting all those lucky them them gimme foul calls in the second quarter that kept them in the game. Yeah, and, and really just it, turned man. the game around. Yeah, it was it was some crap, man. Because the Pacers couldn't buy a bucket, <clears throat> they were deflated and all of, all of that. Then T started talking, got Pate, got George into the game. And um and and them boys came out ready, man. Indiana came out ready, and and Atlanta just just went cold, man. So uh, you know the Pacers did what they needed to do, and uh, they looks like they're gonna they're gonna go ahead and uh, even the series up. Exactly, exactly. But I don't like Not it. least, let's bring in the point guard of the crew, my man FIFO. FIFO, what's going on? What up? What up? What up, man? Hey, yo, chilling, man. Chilling. What's good, game, man? Hey, what's I'm up, good, FIFO? Man. We're good, man. Hey, man, it's still early, man. And I need to still make a little run. They still got a whole quarter. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers did shoot lights out. They shot almost 70% in that quarter. Um, so that's that's not them. So they could go cold. You, you never mm-hmm. know. We'll and if you're, you're under a rock, we, we're referencing the uh, Hawks and Pacers game. Uh, my Atlanta Hawks uh, looks like down 81-65 according to my screen. And um looks like we've been stuck on 65 for like 10 minutes now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're going to definitely jump into that talk as well. Hey, pass the word. And we want, before we even get started, man, I want to thank everybody who uh, listens and, and, and hits us up on Twitter and participates each week in this conversation. We definitely appreciate it. I can't say that enough. Uh, the numbers show that it's been increasing, and we definitely appreciate everybody's support and appreciate the love and, and you know, Pass the word. That's what I tell people. Pass the word about the best show on the Internet, Dead End Sports. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. So if you listened to last week's show, um, we, we did our predictions, but our predictions were a little off because it was based on the playoff seedings at the time that we went on the air. Uh, we were We did a pretty good assumption as to how the seedings were going to end up. Only did we not know that the seedings would change by the time we got off the air. So a couple right. of teams I want to get into as far as uh, predictions, as far as, like, who who do we think is going to win. Um, the Wizards actually are locking up with the Bulls. They're about to play game two probably in the next uh, 30 minutes or so. They should tip off in um, in Chicago. Uh, I'll start first with you, Cam. Bulls versus Wizards, man. Who's going to win this series and by how many games? 
Um, I, I think the Wizards will actually win this probably in in uh, five. Um, okay. I, I, you know, Chicago has a tough time scoring, and um, and and the Wizards, you know, behind the execution of, of John Wall, who commands the the floor. Um, I, I think they could continue to put offensive pressure on Chicago to to score, and um, we we saw that you know in the, in the first game when Chicago came out, and much like Indiana, you know they came out and they had a great third quarter where they jumped up by 13. But you know they came out and they punched the Wizards in the mouth. But the Wizards, it took them a second to get going, and once they finally got going, they kind of tied the game up and. You know, next thing you know, uh, they end up winning that game down the stretch. So um, they do make things tough. They being Chicago do make things tough for um, the Wizards. But you know, I think you know having Nene back and and John Wall, I, I think they could be a difference maker in that series. And you know, if they could if they could turn this into a shootout, Chicago they they can't match up. So um, still in one, still in the first one makes it a little bit easier. But um, they won the season series, and I, I just like the Wizards in this one. Okay, okay, okay. What, what about you, B? Uh, how, how do you see this one matching up, uh, the Bulls versus the Wizards? Yeah, I'm with Ken. I think the same reason when we had spoke about it last week when we thought it was going to be the Nets versus the Bulls. Yeah, I just think Bulls, they need someone to put to get buckets, and they just don't have no one to get buckets. And I think with a high-flying, high you know, um, High flying offense like like the Wizards with Bradley Beal and John Wall getting their introduction to the playoff you know the playoff they playoff career and you know low key you know Nene was putting in work against uh, right Noah. he was Noah Noah that that that's gonna be a hard matchup for Noah because you know people forget Nene was a ball out there in Denver you know what I'm saying yeah. so you know that that was a good pickup for the Wizards to get him you know in that in that front in that front point in general not all of a sudden Gortat who was like you know the sixth man seventh man coming backing up Dwight Howard at one point. Nah, he's like a bona fide star, you know. So, you know, people talk about the Wizards' back court, but don't people their front court, you know, a veteran, crappy veteran like Trevor Reza, who can knock down open shots and play good perimeter defense. So, yeah, Wizards, you know, I, I, I get Wizards. If I was, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven, just because, you know, Thibodeau, um, he, he's, he's, you know, great coach. You can't, you can't knock the great coaching. So I'm pretty sure, you know, Bulls would make some adjustments. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game too, but. Overall, I got the Wizards taking it, you know, possibly going seven. Okay, okay. What about you, FIFO? How do you see this series uh, panning out? Initially, when uh, the Bulls were supposed to be playing the Nets, right, uh, mm-hmm. I, I said that was going to go seven, and I had the Bulls in seven. And the reason why is because of the pace of play. Uh, the Nets like to play a slower pace. And that's the complete reason why I have to go against the Bulls, against the Wizards, mainly because of pace of play. John Wall, I, I've been saying it for the last two, three years, I think he's the fastest player in the NBA with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in the playoffs, you're not going to be able to push up and down all day, but you will be able to get your opportunities. And when you have a point guard that has a true point guard mentality, yes, John Wall could shoot a lot at times. Yes, he is a dynamic scorer and athlete. But when you watch him play, you know he is a point guard. He has a point right. guard IQ and mentality. So he understands when, when to push it. And that's just too much for my for uh, Chicago to handle. It, it's just too much. Uh, obviously, they have great transition defense, great half-court defense. But, again, their Achilles heel is scoring. and they, they just can't put up the, the amount of points that Washington can. 
Yeah, I agree, man. I, I agree with everybody. I think everybody made some great points. I think uh, I like I like the Wizards in this series, man. I think their ability to get up and down the court. I mean, obviously Chicago's gonna they go. Chicago wants to play that old school eighty style basketball. You know, slow it down, slow down your possessions, uh, that type of thing. Um, but I think what happens is, is you know, once Wall and, and, and Beal get going, man, and, and like uh, B said, Nene on the on the low, Nene really was the difference maker. I mean, first play they ran it, first you know after the tip off, first play they run is for Nene, and he goes down and throws down a dunk. I think the next two plays they ran for him on their you know offensive possessions. So obviously one of the things they wanted to do was establish him early. And I think uh, Nene is, is, is the difference maker because you have to keep in mind that Nene is somebody that they have not seen uh, him since, you know, uh, what, two almost two months ago. So uh, he's been out that long. So I think Nene is going to be the difference maker. I like uh, the Wizards in seven. I think this is going to be one of those good series. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's a series that, you know, people on paper might not think is going to be good because you don't necessarily have the quote-unquote star power. You know, but I think it's it's a very good series to watch as well. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You're locked in to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Twelve Kyle. Got my partners in crime, B, C, Four, and Ken. Hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Now another matchup we did not talk about last week was um, the Nets and the Raptors. Uh, they are currently battling right now. Uh, looks like they're in the third quarter. Uh, Brooklyn leads the series 1-0. Um, FIFO, how do you like this one? How, how do you think this one's going to play out, uh, and who wins and why? Uh, in terms of Brooklyn and Toronto, honestly, let, let, let's go back to game one first. Okay. The thing with DeMar DeRozan, you saw – a first-time playoff performer. You just you just saw that. And the main reason why I say that is, is if you ever watched DeMar DeRozan, the way he played that first game is the way he looked his rookie year. Exactly wow. the same way. Trying to do too much, was kind of mm-hmm. lost at times, forcing the issue, didn't, didn't know how to pick and choose his spots. Obviously, this, you know, tonight he's playing a little bit better. Um, honestly, I think that Toronto can get the Nets in six. Um mainly because of the athleticism. I think that Brooklyn has the obviously the experience, but I think that I think Toronto can push them. I think Toronto it's kinda of like the Bulls and the Wizards, where they can use their athletic ability, get out on the run, you know, and just try to maintain a lead. You know, like 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 the thing with the Bulls and the Nets, the Pacers the Heat championship basketball is that they like to grind out. Uh, but 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 I, I just I don't think that the Nets can really keep, keep pace. But yo, I tell you this, that boy Toledovich off the bench, man, he's yeah. coming in, he's doing his thing. Toledovich is really doing his thing. So uh, honestly, I like I like Toronto because when you see Kyle Lowry in that first game, yo, Kyle Lowry is really there earning a lot of my respect. You know, and I got to give you props, people, because you—you—that was the first name that came out. We were talking about different matchups last week, but that's the first name when we mentioned Toronto. That's the first name that came out your mouth was Kyle Lowry and what he could do with the ball and and how you thought he would be effective. And and he played his ass off the other day. He did, man. He did. Um, I, again, man, I just think Toronto is just too athletic. But it won't surprise me if, if the Nets 
beat Toronto. They're supposed to beat Toronto. You know, they're the wily $180 million roster that's supposed to win the championship this year. So, you know, they're supposed to beat Toronto. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I I, I think I'm picking the the, the youth again. Okay, okay. What about you, B? How do you like this one uh, between uh, Toronto and Brooklyn? Um, I'm going to go with Brooklyn. I mean, just because I think just going into the playoffs, they've been playing their best ball. They've been playing, like, all season. They've been on the road. And, you know, they got the experience. They got the veteran players, you know, uh, Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Pierce Clutch again, which I've always said, you know, you never count Pierce out in them fourth-quarter moments, man. Pierce yeah, knocking down big shots. You know, Garnett seems like he's trying to get into his groove. I think he's still not, like, 100% yet coming from an injury, but I think – I agree with people. I think Toronto is going to push Brooklyn, but I think Brooklyn is going to win the series, uh, hands down. I don't, I don't, I don't give it. I don't give it to Toronto. They still, they still wet behind the ears, man. They, you know, they got, they got to get that, they got to get that experience in there first. I think, I think I'm gonna give it to the crafty veterans, man, that 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 know what it takes to win the NBA series. Okay, okay, I definitely understand that. What, what about you, Ken? How, how do you see this one shaping up? I'm like FIFO. I'm going with uh, Toronto. I had Toronto over Chicago. I think that was in that matchup last week. Um, but I, I like their athleticism. Like FIFO said, I like DeRozan uh, a lot. I like Terrence Ross. Um, I like what he brings to the court. But um, I really like Kyle Lowry, man. I think he's that guy uh, at, at the point guard position that could really help settle those guys down. And really command and, and command the floor, man. And he's he's he, you know he's savvy, man. And um and I think you know for the first game they were right there, but the experience of the Nets took over, and and I think that was a learning experience for the Raptors. Obviously, they're playing much better t- tonight, and if they win tonight, I really like their chances in the series. I can see it going six, um, but you know against a team like the Nets, they gotta speed up the pace. Uh, right in the first round, you know the games are more spread out, so it does favor Brooklyn a little bit. But it, and while it's hard to count against that experience that they have, the Toronto Raptors—they're they're three C for a reason, man. And and they were slept on for most of the season because most people were talking about the Pacers and the Heat, and and they've been slowly winning games. And they played Brooklyn well throughout the regular season, so mm-hmm. you know I, I like them to win this series, and I think they'll I think they'll take it in six. Okay, okay, I got um, it's hard for me to go against Brooklyn, especially you know just when I want to call Paul Pierce old, just when I want to call KG old. I mean, like B said, man, Paul Pierce did his thing in in the fourth quarter, um, and he didn't go for a lot of points, but it was just those timely buckets that he's going to get. Um, you know, Joe Johnson has been pretty, you know, consistent and steady. And I think I, I, I could definitely – I could see this one really going either way, but I'm a, I'm going to lean towards Brooklyn winning this in seven. I don't think it's going to be easy by any, any stretch of the imagination. I think the Toronto team has a lot to offer. And much like a lot of people, you know, across this country, you know, when I, when I sat in front of the TV on Saturday to watch Toronto, that was the first time I had seen Toronto all year long. And I'm not saying that they haven't been on TV, but it's the first time I've seen them all, all year. So I thought they were very impressive. Um, I could definitely see that series going seven. Uh, you know, if uh, I think Toronto definitely has to win tonight to, you know, square back up so they go to Brooklyn 1-1. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good series. I, I definitely see that one going seven as well. 
Uh, and you know what, man? Um, go ahead, go ahead. You know, and, and, and let's say something about the Nets tanking, man. I, I don't think we should let them get off the hook for that. We all know what they did. They know what they did. And I think, you know, it, you know, obviously, you know, can't be on some shady-ass shit, man. But, you know, and I understand from his perspective or from an organization perspective, you know, let's get the best matchup that favors us because we've been successful against the Heat. We got these young bucks coming on. We can we can take them. We can easily go to the Eastern Conference Finals where we could potentially play Indiana, and we matched up very well against them. So I get why he did it, but again, I'm I'm not gonna let him off the hook. So you know what? I, I hope them young bucks, man, take it personal and come out. And I like what the mayor said, man, because he he knew it too. He was like, man, you know what? F Brooklyn, and you know it was meant to inspire his team, and it didn't really quite work, but. You know, I hope they do take it personal, and, and they punch them boys in the mouth, man, for what they did. But that's just me. That just has to get that on. <laughs> well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out, man. It, it's, you know, the, the war of words have already started. And, and any time uh, the road – and we saw road teams get wins, you know, including the Hawks, uh, you know, in the, in the game one. And I think any time road team starts off the series with a win, uh, you put the, the home team on, on their heels – um, much like uh, Golden State did uh, uh, the Clippers last night, um, you know, so they have to come out firing. They have to come out swinging. So it's going to be interesting to see how that series plays out. Right now, I'm showing Brooklyn up uh, 65 to 60. That game is in the third. Excuse me, yeah, in the third quarter, with like two minutes left in the third quarter, we'll keep you posted. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. You're locked in to Dead End Sports. Um, Next question I wanted to get to you guys. Uh, obviously, big news coming out yesterday. Uh, Phil Jackson, uh, the general manager of the New York Knicks, fired uh, Mike Woodson, who had been uh, the head coach there for the last, I think, three and a half years. Um, so, you know, Mike Woodson's out of there. And, I mean, Stevie Wonder could have seen it coming. The Knicks, you know, much maligned this season. Although they did play well, sem- uh, seemingly well, coming down the stretch. Uh, they weren't able to, you know, secure a seed, uh, which was secured by the Hawks, who have uh, less than 500 record um, in the playoffs. Uh, that being said, you know, rumors were swirling about, you know, Mike Woodson being replaced once Phil Jackson was named the GM uh, just about a month or so ago. Uh, so, B, I'm going to ask you, man, who do you think should be? There's a lot of names being circulated. Steve Kerr, obviously, I think is at the top of the list. To my knowledge, Steve Kerr has never been a head coach. Um, who do you think is going to be the next head coach of the Knicks? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> next head coach of the Knicks. Oh, I don't even see. I mean, damn. Who available? But, I mean, I just keep hearing Steve Kerr. What coaches that are available? I know they said Steve Kerr and Derek Fisher because you know Phil Jackson coached them and under you know, under his system. But like, what, what about old boy? What's his name? Brian Shaw. Where is he coaching somewhere? He's Shaw's in Denver. Denver. Shaw's in Denver. In Denver. Um, okay. You know, you you got some of the. And my thing is, I, I I was telling somebody sometimes I like to see instead of the old retreads, you like to see some new young assistants that are out there. Um, and yeah, not seeing, yeah. not seeing some like, of the older ooh, guys ooh. who just, you know, the P.J. Carlissimos of the world get recycled. Um, yeah. If you're going to recycle Carl, a coach, I like I like, like cast like Paul Silas or um, or Lionel Hollins, uh, former uh, coach at uh, at um, 
was he at? Uh, Memphis. Memphis. You, or somebody like Avery what? Johnson. So, but you know what, Kyle? He, yeah, what about Avery Johnson? He's kind of like, who, 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 who's the Cleveland Brown coach, Mike Brown? Lionel Hollins don't fit in New York. He doesn't have enough cachet. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he plus plus he look like a reverend on the sideline. I mean, he look like a deacon. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be the coach of the Knicks looking like a deacon, man. I mean, does anybody else look think look at Lionel Holland and say, man, that dude like this deacon at my church? <laughs> he looks like Holland to pass the plate. Yeah, I, but, I mean, uh, but I, I'm sorry, I, B, I, who do you think who do you think fits in New York? I mean, I I I guess Steve Kerr, if he, if he looking at, if he want to give Steve, Steve Kerr that opportunity, I guess I already know who's like really available. Available, like I said, why not Avery Johnson? You know, I, I thought he I thought he got the raw deal at, at Brooklyn oh, when yeah. he first came. He got, you know, when he first came on. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, Mike Woodson got the raw deal because if I'm not mistaken, Mike Woodson had a, like a, a pretty good winning record as his as his time as, as a Knicks coach. Yep. The Knicks the Knicks just had an awful squad. I mean, to no coach. Coach that squad that, that that they had, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like he was going to win with that trash team that they had. So I, I thought Mike Woodson got the raw deal actually because it's not like he had like a, a a losing record or a real bad record. He still but had B, a winning record. He still had a winning B, record with that squad. Yeah. But B, let, 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 let's be honest though. Mike Woodson didn't do the greatest coaching job even with the roster that he had. You know what I'm saying? I think that I think he left a lot to be desired this year. I think that he held it together pretty well, considering. But I I feel like when you are a coach, at times you have to give leeway, and at times you have to be very enforceful. And I think with J.R. Smith, I think with J.R. Smith, J.R. Smith is talented. He's one of the most talented two guards in the NBA. Let's be honest. When he's on, but he don't even got the ethic. He don't got the work ethic. I mean, but, I don't know but, what coach but, 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 but that comes part from the coach. Because you know what? Guess what? If you're not going to practice hard, you're not going to play. And when you're going to be a problem, you can stay home. All I'm saying is Mike Woodson didn't do everything in his power to try to control the locker room. Uh, the, front office, and, the, front office, the front office didn't do everything in their power to give him a squad. Of course, but uh, David right. Dolan, right. but we know that. But we know that. Right. So you, you can't put it on Mike Woodson, man. They, that was a week. That was a sorry squad. B. He still had a winning record. B. B, they didn't have a winning record this year, first of all. Second I'm of all. Bro, I'm talking about since he's okay. been there. Since he's been coaching Regar- there. But, but if they would have made their play. Look, B, at the end of the day, Mike Woodson, we know, is at best an assistant head coach because he, offensively, he is inept. And when you are a championship coach, you coach both sides of the field. I mean, both sides of the court. Mike Woodson does not do that. And because Phil Jackson is there to clean house and build the New York franchise in his image, his image is not Mike Woodson. So regardless if they would have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, it, short of winning a championship, there's no way Mike Woodson could have salvaged his career there. Ah, uh, if you can give him a little bit better roster, I think he could. I think he could. He just had he just had a sorry with, team with, with the hiring of Phil Jackson. See, first of all, B, let, let's look at the domino effect, right? Last year, Phil Jackson wasn't hired. The year before, when they fired D'Antoni in that offseason, they made my Mike Woodson the head coach. They didn't even talk to Phil Jackson. Now this year, they started losing. Last year, when he made the playoffs, they didn't even contact Phil. This year, when they didn't do anything, that's when they contacted Phil. Phil's going to change everything. So, regardless, man, it's, it's not all Mike Woodson. 
Come on, man. It's not my you know all I, the way. Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, both of yeah. made good points, man. But I, I'm with B, man. I I, yeah, I, I put it like this. I, I understand. I understand why he got fired. I mean, obviously, you got a new team, new GM. The new GM is going to want his guy in there because ultimately, the GM's. I mean, not that Phil Jackson needs anybody's reputation or any coattails to ride off of, but. Uh, you know, just like any other GM, he's tied to his picks and he's tied to whoever his coaching staff is. That thus is why Phil fired the. I mean, he he fired the whole squad. He didn't fire. I mean, the whole coaching staff. He didn't fire coaching just Woodson. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put it like this, man. I, I I like Woodson. I liked him when he was here in Atlanta. I thought the one good thing I I, I will give Woodson credit for is that Woodson really went to bat. Woodson wanted to draft Chris Paul coming out of college. And the GM, the former GM at the time, Billy Knight, he wanted Marvin Williams. Uh, he sold Marvin Williams to the ownership here. The ownership took Marvin Williams. CP3 goes to New Orleans. The rest is history. The Hawks just now starting to have a decent point guard. But that's neither here nor there. I, I think the problem with Woodson is that, not so much as Woodson, but I don't know anybody maybe outside of Phil that can coach that team as construct as New York is constructed and win. Hell and no. Phil says he has no ambition to coach, and I believe him because if he's going to coach, he would coach now. I don't think he's going to let somebody drive the car for a couple of you know for for a couple of seasons and then jump in the driver's seat. Um, that being said, I just don't. I, you know, it's a lot of moving. People keep saying triangle, triangle, triangle. I don't know that they're necessary. And you guys, tell me if I'm wrong. Do they have the pieces to run the triangle offense? Because it doesn't yes. look that way to me. They do. So? They do. Look, 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 okay. look. First, first, first of all, Kyle, answer this question. If Mike Woodson and the New York Knicks would have won more games, if they would have been in the top three in the Eastern Conference with over 55 wins, do you think Mike Woodson would have lost his job and do you think Phil Jackson would have been hired? Phil Jackson may have been hired, but Woodson wouldn't have lost his job. I think part of the problem was, if you remember, so, the wait, Knicks, wait, 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 the Knicks wait, 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 started on, the season Kyle. like three of Three of seventeen exactly. or something like that. Exactly. So Kyle, so Kyle, you so you're telling me if they would have finished with fifty five wins, they would have still hired Phil Jackson? What for? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think the the, the ownership, James Dolan, I mean, who has who is a billionaire, he he wants obviously to put out a winner, but he doesn't have basketball, quote unquote basketball people in his front office. You know, and I think the last quote-unquote, bat- and this might piss some people off, but probably the last basketball person he had in his front office was Isaiah. And Isaiah nah. made some bad trades. He made some good trades. You know, so he, had um, he, he needs to – Dolan is a business guy. And, and he – much like Jerry Jones in Dallas, he needs to surround himself with basketball guys who know the game, who, who can inform him on making the right decision. He, and I respect Dolan for that as opposed to Jerry Jones – Who's content on wrecking the ship his own damn self? So, but, but you know what, Kyle? Mm-hmm. But 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 what you're saying, I I think what you're saying, um, I, I don't I don't 100 agree because James Dolan okay. has surrounded himself with basketball guys, and he has been the reason of their demise as well because he limits their power. Like if you if you notice, Herb Williams has been an assistant coach on that oh, New York gosh. bench, regardless of the head coach for the yeah. last 13 years. Why? Because he's a favorite with with James Dolan. James Dolan has had Jerry Colangelo come through there, you know, and, and, and try to and try to fix the Knicks after Isaiah, and they kind of did that. And James Dolan was the one that pretty much gave up the whole team and tried to get Melo. 
You see what I'm saying? So so James Dolan has been a gift and a curse. But like a lot of the successful owners in major sports, you have to hire the best people available and let them do their job. And you sign off at the end once they present you something. Now, this is the position that he's given Phil. Now, again, last year he didn't make any front office. Well, yeah, they did make front office changes because James Dolan is running that New York franchise into the ground. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, look, Mike Woodson is not a top five coach in the NBA. Am I, am I no. right? No. Okay, so 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 therefore by letting him go, you're not losing anything. You bought an all time great to your front office which should bring some type of foundation. And to go to the point of the triangle, it is imperative that they run the triangle. Because when you watch the NBA, it's not just talent. You need talent to compete, but you need a system in which your superstars and sometimes just your stars can dominate because that is how you win championships offensively. On the offensive side of the court, you have to understand your team, what they can do, and then put them in a system that works for them. Carmelo, I've been saying it for years, B and Ken can attest, Carmelo is the prototypical person for the triangle. Look at what Jordan was able to do. Look at what Kobe was able to do. They're all multifaceted scorers. We can take little mm-hmm. guys in the post. We can mid- mid-range you to death. We can shoot threes. And out of those three guys that I just named, Carmelo Anthony is the best three-point shooter out of the three. And let's be honest, he's the most physical That's out true. of the three. That's true. So he can dominate. And I've always said it. He needs a triangle to win the championship. Because otherwise, he's not But what about the other pieces outside of Carmelo? I mean, is is Carmelo going to be passing the ball to uh, Raymond Felton? I mean, you know, when when he gets double teamed, when he's at the the elbow, is he going to pass the ball to, you know, Shumpert? No, no, no. All right. Jordan passed the ball to Carmelo. Or he passed it to Scottie Pippen. I I got you. I got you. Look, is every piece there that Phil automatically needs? No, but there are pieces there that work. Mainly okay. Amari. Amari is okay. a face-up big. When you watch the Bulls, all of their fours and fives hit 15 to 18-foot jumpers. That's Amari's game. Right. So Amari six. Tyson Chandler six because you don't need him to score. You, you don't need him to score. You just need him to get around the basket and, 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 and get tips and all of that, and they can fit that into the triangle. Um, in terms of shooters, you got Tim Hardaway Jr., you got J.R. Smith. Now it's just having them dominate a system. Now it's not just willy-nilly. When you watch a Mike Woodson offense, there is no continuity there. Yeah, it is isolation yeah. I, 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 you, you're right about that. So and and that, was, that was true when he was here in Atlanta, too. You you get no kind of offensive or, or no kind of offensive or defensive continuity, to be honest. Um, Kim, Kim, what's your take on it? Who, who do you think? I know we've been sitting here rapping. <laughs> I almost forgot about Kim. Kim, what's your take? Who, who do you think the Knicks should hire as a head coach? Kim, he, he don't he don't put us on mute. Oh, no, no, Kim, no, wait, wait, okay, my bad. I have to mute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I like. These two obviously would, would would clash, man. But um, I don't know, man. I, I, I like Larry Brown, man. I, I like Larry Brown. Um, they're gonna give the job to Kerr, and I'm fine with that because Kerr is just gonna come in and run Phil's system. So he, he's just gonna be a figurehead. But 
Um, I, I think Larry Brown would 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 be nice. I think he has the, um, <clears throat> you know, um, the temperament to handle New York a little bit because he's old and cranky, and he doesn't put up with with any mess, man. So, you know, I, I like him, but you know, um, is he a but good fit? I'm thing. not. I'm not exactly sure about that. And that's what I was going to say. Well, Phil, like, like Phil's going to hire. you got to remember, Phil Jackson is hiring the head coach. So it's like, why would he pick somebody that's not going to be a Phil Jackson guy? Right. Kind of right. like with exactly. Pat Riley and everybody else that has front office power like that, like Doc Rivers. Like, right. he gets who he wants. You know what I'm saying? And yep. Phil Jackson is going to get who he wants. So yeah, I, because because um, Spo, Spo was under Phil. I mean, Pat. You know, right. you can see him on the bench cheering in, in the 2006 finals. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to oh, weigh in man. real quick on what you guys were talking about. Um, FIFO is absolutely right. They win 50 games. You, you're not seeing Phil Jackson. Nope. Phil Jackson is only here because they were losing, which of ultimately course. created a domino effect and cost Mike Woodson his job, not only Mike Woodson, everybody else, because – Feel needed and demanded certain uh, responsibilities, right? So, but yeah, yeah, winning solves everything. What happened with this situation in New York is that they were losing and the way they were losing and how bad they were losing and the losing streaks, and people were calling for Dolan's head. Dolan, like you guys said, is a businessman, and Dolan was like, look, I can't have these people, you know, calling me out. You know, they skipped over everybody. They skipped over Mike Woodson and everybody else that was in between, and they went straight to Dolan. And Dolan had no choice but to make this move because he needed to do something to get the city behind him because the people that supported the Knicks, they were they were supporting this because they're just diehard New Yorkers, but they were turning away, and that's something you cannot have when you have a product like that. So... So, yeah, if they win in games, nah, 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 uh, we wouldn't see Phil Jackson at all. Mike Woodson would be right there coaching it, just like, you know, he was last year when they were winning. People loved the Knicks last year. Yeah, and they played they games this too. year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Uh, you know, before I jump on to the next question, I want to send a challenge out there, man, to the to the ladies, to the ladies that listen to Dead End Sports, to the ladies that follow Dead End Sports. You know, we've been doing this show for, uh, you know, what, seven, eight months now. I think we've only had one female call in. If you're a female and you're listening, call in hollers. We, I promise you we won't bite, but we love to hear from the ladies. 646-478-0356. Um, Next question I have for you guys, uh, we, we got into the discussion. Actually, Ken got into a, a, a nice little battle the other day on Twitter, uh, which is where a lot of stuff goes down, um, talking about players and their championships, excuse me, star players and winning championships. Obviously, you look at a player like uh, Kevin Durant, for example. Let's use KD as an example, a guy who's in his seventh year, if I'm not mistaken, um, he's got four scoring titles, you know, all-star, he's an Olympian, he's been to the finals once. Um, you know, he's got his sidekick back with him again this year, and he's healthy in Westbrook. Uh, OKC is poised, even though they lost last night, you know, coming into the playoffs, they were poised to make a run for the title. 
you know, but does he necessarily need to validate his career when it comes to winning a championship? So if it all ended tomorrow for Durant, is he not as highly heralded as a star if he does not have a ring? And then we look at some of the, the past the players like Barkley, Stockton, and Malone, Ewing, those guys who never won a championship ring. So the question I have, and I'll, I'll throw this out to you first, FIFO: Do star players have to win a championship to have their to have their careers validated? Um, validated, no. Elevated, yes. Um, validation okay. comes Explain. with your numbers. Uh, validation comes with your numbers and your years and what you were able to contribute to the game. What elevates your career are the rings. Um, nobody could take away what Charles Barkley, Dominique have done for this game. Uh, you know, some of the other greats that haven't won championships. But when you win that championship and when you're dominant, it changes the perspective of your career. Nobody could take away what Patrick Ewing contributed and what he did for the New York Knicks franchise. Nobody could take that away. But when you see a player like Shaq just be being more dominant, that elevated his career because now he won those championships to solidify how dominant I was. Patrick Ewing was dominant, but can you say that he was more dominant than Shaq? No. Was he more right. dominant than David Robinson? No. Hakeem? No. He's on that second list because he didn't win. But if he would have won one, then you could pretty much put them all in the same category. Now, in terms of talent and skill, of course he was up there with them. But let's look at the career. It, it's kind of like he had that asterisk. You didn't win it. So maybe you weren't as good as you were, you know, regardless of whoever was in your way, you know. But I think that's the beauty of Jordan. Like, he really stopped a lot. Carl Malone, John Stockton. Yeah, yeah. You know, Clyde Drexler before he got to Houston. You know, so, you know, I, I just think that it elevates your career. It doesn't validate it. Elevation, not va- elevation, not validation. I like that. I like that. What What about you, B? Uh, how, how do you see that? Do star players like Stockton and Malone and Ewing and and and, and, and let's move to the forefront. You look at a, a cast like Durant and, and Carmelo, who are great within their own right right now. Um, let's just you know assume that you know if it ended tomorrow and they did, they walked away from the game without a ring. How do you look at that as far as these star players not, you know, coming out with championships? Um, yeah, I agree with people, really. I mean, look at Iverson. People people hail Iverson as, like, one of the greatest shooting guards ever just because of what he, the impact he did for the game and him, the shooting guard, him being that size, a shooting guard and, and balling out. And nobody was really like, oh, Iverson didn't win. You know, because they knew he, he couldn't win with them bum-ass teams he had. But, but, Iverson, but Iverson, Iverson gave it his all, and I think people appreciate that. People appreciate the way he, the way how hard he played and the way he gave his, like he just sacrificed his body for the game of basketball, and I think people appreciate that. I mean, same, you could say the same thing with John Stockton. His numbers speak for themselves. Dude, the man is the all-time lead assistant steals, so... It's like, you know, oh, numbers going to speak for themselves. Yeah, it would have it been nice to be the one championship. But I think with the numbers, if Kevin Durant keep going on the tear, a scoring tear for the next, you know, 12 years or whatever, and, and you know, but don't win a championship, people, I think people, 
at the same time, you know, we it seems like in this new generation, everybody's so caught up on championships and championships, and you got to win now, got to win now, now, now. So I can see some idiots talking about, well, he never won one. I don't care if he's a, a second on the all-time scoring list. He never won one, so he ain't that good. But, you know, actually, I mean, if Kevin Durant just keeps this pace and keep beasting, even if he don't get a ring, we're going we gonna to be like, look, Kevin Durant, he's a baller. I don't ring or no ring. He, he he done a lot for the game of basketball. Him being, you know, seven foot and able to do the stuff he was able to do with the basketball and, and you know, him going inside and outside. So us basketball heads are gonna look at that and be like, Look, dude's a baller straight up. So for me, rings don't really validate anything. I mean, if you wanna keep talking about rings, you know, I mean i I mean, is Bill Russell the greatest player ever? Is Robert Horry better than Michael Jordan because Robert Horry got seven? I mean, you know, it's just so much little factors in that. So no, I don't think the rings Validate you as just bam, okay, you was that dude. No doubt, no doubt. I, I agree too, man. I think it's, uh, it's. I, I think what happens is, is that in today's society, um, you know, we, we kind of live in the now society. I, mm-hmm. I call it microwave yep. society, where we want instant gratification. We want, you know, it's just like, yep. you know, and, and we, <laughs> we talked about it when you guys came on my show. Talked about how hip hop is, you know, people just want hits. Nobody wants to have, nobody wants to be on Def Jam for 20 years. Nobody wants to, you know, have run their own label like Puffy has done for, you know, 10, 15 years. They just want to make a hit. They want to get ringtones, they want to get rich, and nobody wants to pay their dues. Um, same it applies in basketball, I think, from the fans' perspective. You know, people will say, and I've, I've heard people say, oh, well, he only won one ring. I'm like, you you don't understand how hard it how much it takes how much yeah how hard it is to get to to that point to win I mean think about all the, and we talked about it during football season you know when you think about all the great players who didn't even get a chance to even play for a ring play. let alone right. win one um, right you know when you look at guys like Barkley Malone Stockton Ewing you know they just That's happened right. to come through an era that you know the greatest player of, of that particular era was was there and. You know, you can make a case that if he didn't decide to play baseball, you know, <laughs> Clyde really not keep got them two rings. You right. know, so um, and just think, I, and Kyle, I was Kyle, just think, like I said, we don't know if Kevin Durant might get to the finals again. Like you know exactly. what I'm saying? Like he got to the finals against LeBron, and you know, so have he lost? But you know, who's to say that Kevin Durant? I mean, he got a good chance of going this year, but just say who's to say that we. The next 12 years, we might not see him in the finals again. But guess what? He's still going to be balling. You know, Barry, as long as he don't get on injuries or anything like that. But he's right. still going to be balling and putting up crazy numbers, I'm pretty sure of. He's, he's probably, his game, he's, he, I don't think he really hit his peak yet. So that's the scary thing about it. So, oh, yeah, if he don't win one, he's still a bona fide baller in my book. Ring or without a ring. Yeah, I mean, and, and you mentioned, you know, mentioned Iverson and, and guys like that, I think it's uh, I think it's it's safe to say that I just to, for me, I don't think that you have to validate it. I mean, obviously, a you know a ring would be nice, you know, yeah. and and people know that LeBron is chasing, you know, and we'll talk more, especially should the Heat advance and possibly win another final. We'll talk more as as you know our shows come along, uh, you know, where it solidifies you know him as far as his ring history. Um, you know, that being said, I think it's it's okay if you don't win. You know, because like you said, Iverson, for me, pound for pound, is one of the best players to ever blaze him up, period, hands down. You know, the fact that he had he didn't win one, 
No, it's okay with me. I mean, Jerry West never won a ring. I didn't. I didn't realize that Jerry West had never yep. won a ring before. Never um, won. He's a logo of the damn. He's, he's a, exactly. He's a logo. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's. Uh, I think it's part of part of the that argument. I think probably has to. If you're having that type of argument or that discussion, uh, it may have something to do with the people whose age that you're having the discussion with. Uh, so Ken, I'll throw it to you, man. What, what's your take on it? I, I, I saw the battle on Twitter. Um, what, what, what's your take on uh, star players validating their careers with rings? I think it validates it uh, a, a little bit. There, there's a certain level of validation that comes with it, and I think it all depends on the player themselves. When you look at a guy like Carl Malone, yeah, if he would have went to L.A. and won that ring, yeah, he would have got one on the back of somebody else, and he would have got one late in his career. You know, you kind of may have looked at that, ring a little bit differently um, than it would have if he would have beaten Jordan. But by God, the guy got to the finals twice. As You know, just like um, Gary Payton got to the finals and he lost to Jordan and then he finally got one. So I think it it adds to the resume. I don't think it's, it's a necessity. Uh, it adds to the resume. Is it a necessity? I think it I, – I think so, man. I think depending on the player because – yeah, Kevin Durant will always be a great, great player and, and undeniable when you look at his resume and the things that he were able to, what he was able to do in the league. You can't take that away from him. But when you have a guy of Kevin Durant's caliber, that talent has to elevate itself, like FIFO said, to another level. And we're talking about winning a championship to solidify what you have done to solidify all of your accomplishment. It doesn't take it away. It's not going to erase it at all. But it, it and you know, maybe this is elevation, validation. I can, you can go semantics there, but it, it places him on a whole other level compared to guys like, um, um, shit, I can't think of an example. So I think it does raise Carmelo. the bar a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because <clears throat> you got guys like, if you look at and, and you're right, this has definitely changed as we've progressed as a society and a culture, and because of Jordan won six. Because before Jordan won six, Larry what had a couple himself. Magic Johnson had five. I don't think we were obsessed with rings, but Jordan as a brand and as a product himself changed everything. You know, Akeem Olajuwon is one of the greatest centers in in, in the world. Those two rings place him in a whole other level. We don't talk about Patrick Ewing. We don't talk about Patrick Ewing. He don't have yeah, a ring. We don't talk true. about him. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he didn't win a ring. Great career. But we And we, we'll look at him uh, with revisionist history. We're like, man, Patrick used to ball, man. But he doesn't have those rings. But when we talk about Akeem Olajuwon, we talk about him, you know, we, we hold him in high regard and, and a higher status. Like Dwayne Wade, what he was able to do and how he was able to do it in 2006 I would argue that he didn't need another one because he was the closest right. thing to a Jordan-esque performance we've had. Dirk Nowitzki needed a ring, I think, to solidify the things that he's done. So now you can look at him and say, man, Dirk Nowitzki was a bad boy. Not only that, look at who he beat. And when you look at LeBron James, what do we always just say, man? He, he got to get at least one. Or to us, to basketball people, we were like, ah, man, but he never won a ring. So I think there's something to winning titles. And I think there's something to winning titles when you do it by yourself. So, um, But, yeah, I, I, I think, man, Kevin Durant, if he doesn't win a ring, that asterisk, man, that asterisk is going to be looming. 
and it's, it's, it, it will hurt him when it comes to how we look at him from a historical perspective in okay. basketball. Not from let career me, wise let me throw this out. Let me throw this out real quick to you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, my man Charles in the chat room threw out. He said, he said, what's the point of being a quote-unquote star player if you can't get your team to the promised land? Well, okay, so 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 let 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 let, let me jump on Ken real quick because I, because the whole time I'm listening to you, you're kind of you're kind of countering your own point because you don't because your career will validate itself. You know what I'm saying? Like like you don't need a ring to validate your career. Like we're still mentioning Patrick Ewing as one of the greatest centers to ever play. Correct? We're still putting him and, in that brand. Yeah, and really, why, if, it's just that certain people are higher on that list because your talent, it, we evaluate talent, right? That, that's what everybody does. That's why you become a fan. You, you start looking at Jordan, and, and, and he sets a standard. Three, two times, three peaks, six championships, never won a, 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 I mean, never lost a final. So now that's the bar. If you want to be better than MJ, which is the greatest arguably of all time, you have to do better than him. That's the reason right. why all of these you can't lose, and that's why all of those expectations are now placed on the greats of our era. You see what I'm saying? And then Jordan did it in the era that was harder physically than this era to do it in. You see what I'm saying? So with that being said, again, I don't think that you need rings to validate your career. Your career is always going to be validated. You are always going to be mentioned as one of the greatest, but not the greatest. That, 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 that's all it is. That's all it is, man. But you, I, I, I don't think you need rings. And then what, 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 was, the, what was the question that uh, the, the, the chat room uh, person yeah, said? Uh, Charles, the, the question, uh, what's the point of being a quote-unquote star player if you can't get your team to the promised land? Okay, and then the thing about getting to the promised land, think about it. Uh, almost all of the greatest players have played in the finals. They, they've Almost all of the greatest guys have gotten to the finals. That doesn't mean that they've won, but KD already has gotten his guys on KC to the finals. LeBron, overachieving Cavaliers team, yeah. got them to the finals. They went to the finals with uh, oh. Percy Snow's little brother. Exactly. Iverson. Iverson with that bum ass. Oh, my gosh. Iverson <laughs> was playing with fish heads and rice. <laughs> yeah. All, all of the greatest players most likely played in the finals. I, I can't think of one that really that really had it, like oh, a super big superstar. Now. Superstar, I, I, right. Yeah, I can't, I can't really think of one. You know what I'm saying? Well, big, well you know what, people, and I've gotten into this discussion with people, and, and I don't know, and I'm – you guys know I'm not a Knicks fan by any stretch of imagination, but I think people give Carmelo a hard way to go, um, you know, and, and they talk they, they don't look at him in the same stratosphere as LeBron or KD or, or those type of guys. And, you know, let's just say Melo stays where he is. You know, we can halfway predict for the foreseeable future. You know, barring him playing with another superstar, you know, it, it, let's say he finishes in New York and he never leaves New York and he doesn't win anything or never even makes it to the finals, he's not going to be looked at the same as Durant, who at least made it to the finals. You see what I'm saying? But that goes kind of back to, even though I understand Charles's point, you know, you still it still takes a team effort. It takes, you know, what your, your front office people do as far as surrounding you with talent. Because keep in mind, had LeBron stayed in Cleveland, he'd be Carmelo. Well, not Carmelo, but he'd be 
where Carmelo Carl is. Malone. His boy is not winning yeah. a championship. Well, 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 here's the thing. Think about this. CP3 hasn't even made it to the conference finals yet. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so you're always going to have certain That's stars true. in the prime of their career not be able to get to the dance. Like, 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 like look at Jake. Well, Jake Kidd did make it in the prime of his career. Um, but, you he know, like, like looking at not in the prime. Oh, he didn't win his prime. Yeah, yeah. No, he did win one. In the tail end, he did, and he contributed on that team, but he wasn't the guy. But um, you know, CP, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes it's just the way that the cards are dealt. You know, like it, it, like come on, it, let, let's be honest. If if Jordan was in the West, Patrick Ewing would have been playing in in, in, in the finals almost every year. The Knicks yeah. would have been in the finals at least two or three times in a row. Let's be honest. But MJ was just that great, you know, and I think that. When we evaluate talent, we look at somebody like LeBron and, and Kevin Durant, and it's like, you are the best. So now that expectation level is multiple championships because all of the people that were the best of their eras won at least one or two. And so, same, so say, same, same thing about Kobe. Yep. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I got to shout out my man uh, Machiavelli in the chat room. He said, he said these superstars expected to win – one or multiple championships, and I think that's true. And I think the the expectations sometimes exceed reality. Because you know, at the end of the day, even even come this June, there's only going to be two teams left standing. You know, two teams have to play for it. And whether it be Miami versus OKC or whomever, or Indiana versus San Antonio, there's only going to be one winner. And every year, there's only one winner. And you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, where you're left standing. You know, there's only going to be one, to, just like any other tournament. You know, everybody starts out with the same odds, you know, but ultimately everybody loses with the exception of the, the, the eventual champion. So You know what? I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. You know what I, I, I like what FIFO said? I like what, when he said about superstars playing in the finals and – you know what? I, I think I could be even content with, and you know what? I'm I'm not a guy that's really big on a guy winning rings because a lot of the favorite guys that I like never won rings, and they were superstars. But like people said, I think there is a certain level of validation if you at least play for the chip. You know what I'm right. saying? So Car- Patrick Ewing, he played for it. Charles Barkley, he played for what twice? Carl mm-hmm. Malone played for it twice. Alverson, he he validated his career as one of the greatest ever because he played for twice that. and he won a game. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think I think you don't. So I so I want to kind of modify what I said. I think even if you play for it, I think that that's that's a certain level of validation. You can't win it all, and nobody can win it all. But playing for it, you know, it, it says a lot about a player, a superstar player that's able to get there. And uh, at least get their shit. At least play for the damn thing. <laughs> yep. And, and you know what, Tim? There's one more thing that you said that I kind of didn't agree with. You were saying that, you know, uh, it, it, it's something about winning a championship by yourself. No championship team has ever been a one superstar team. You can't name me one. You cannot name me one. That's true. You said people? Say it there has never been a championship team that only had one star. When yeah, I made I that think... point, I was talking about two thousand. Wade's performance is what when I said he won it by himself because 
This guy, man, he was, I mean, he was destroying. We talking about destroying Dallas. He had, he took over games and stretches that we haven't seen. Yeah, Shaq was there, and, and you know, he had an old Alonzo Mourning. But if you look around him, he had, he had Antoine Walker. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's what I meant by winning it by himself because it really would, damn near felt like a one-man show. And so that, that's what I meant. But, yeah, he had other pieces around him. And, I, you know, I'm, I do subscribe to the team effort, but I do believe that you need stars and superstars to help win. I mean, you can look at the Dallas, you know, the Detroit Pistons. They, they were able to assemble a team of, of stars yeah, and stars, you know, on their decline. That. that was that was the team I was gonna name FIFA. I was like, well nobody on my old four pistons that were superstars. No, 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 no. But 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 that was the only team to win. Yeah, that the you know what that was probably yeah, about as close to a team that you could get. Yeah, you said name you one but, team but, and I was about to name that team. <laughs> no, no, but 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 here's the thing. They had how many all stars on that team? They had three all stars that year. Oh yeah, it was three all stars. Yeah, yeah. So, so now, while the Pistons didn't have the, the quote unquote superstar, I mean, you had Chun, you had Shane, you had uh, uh, who else was on that team? Um, Tayshawn Prince. Yeah, they, they had stars. Yeah, Ben Wallace. Yeah, Tayshawn was was an all star, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so it, that, it, like I said, I think it, it, and you, for those of you listening, you see where we all have different points, and it call, it all kind of comes back together in the point of, I think it really depends on who you ask. And how the discussion is presented, and like I said, I think it may have have something to do with the age because, you know, if you came from the era that we come from, you know, that really wasn't a discussion. You were just happy to see anybody play for the finals. Great was great. You know, it didn't really matter whether or not a guy won a title or not because, you know, especially, and I think we see it a little bit different too, having played sports all of our lives, we understand that what it takes, it takes a lot just to get there. You know, not only when, it's one thing to get there and win, it, it takes a lot just to get there. So, you know, we definitely have respect on that end as well. The phone number to call in, area code 347-215. I'm sorry, I'm giving out the wrong number. <laughs> 646-478. I'm giving out my number. 646-478-0356. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle Jones, but my partners, you know them from Dead End Hip Hop, B, FIFO, and Ken. Hit us up, 646 646- Four seven eight zero three five six. We man, the first hour is already over. We got another hour to go. Hit us up. I got my I, I got my hand uh, up in the air <laughs> like I'm excited. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. But before we jump <clears throat> to the next question, yeah, go ahead. You know, uh, before you go there, let, I, I, I kind of want to uh, kind of chime in here real quick. Let, look, because we're talking about championships in this Kevin Durant seventh year. Um, if the Grizzlies, which can knock him out, if they knock him out, or if he gets to the finals and lose. Right now, we've seen everything that Kevin Kevin Durant can do. Now it's title watch for him, right? So and, right, and yeah. that pressure is going to mount on him just like it was on LeBron because everybody expect that from him now. Um, but the interesting part about that whole discussion is that we're looking at Kevin Durant and we're not including Russell Westbrook in that discussion, who is just as dynamic as Kevin Durant. And I thought that that was interesting when we were talking about that because people expect it from Kevin Durant and nobody's looking at a guy like uh, Russell Westbrook. And, and I guess my question is, are, are we looking at, do we look at Chris Paul? Like, are we expecting a ring from Chris Paul? Like, who are we really looking at in the NBA now that we're saying, you know what, you need to get a title. 
um, not need to get a title, but you kind of know what I'm saying. Like, I we're, think we're it's KD right now, Ken. I, I think KD is KD, and then well, and then there's like because you know there was some discussion, <laughs> there was some discussion earlier this year about who was better, KD or LeBron. I mean, obviously, it looks like Durant's going to win the MVP and deservedly so. But I think when you start talking about the best player to not have a ring in today's game. It's Durant, then there's a drop-off into, like, the Mellows, the Chris Pauls of the world, the Kevin Loves, um, those kind of guys. I mean, you look at a guy like Kevin Love, his team is as dope as I think Kevin Love is. His team isn't even in the playoffs. So, you know, that makes it that much harder for them to win. Go ahead, B. You, 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 it, it was FIFA. Okay, I'm sorry. But you know what, Ken? Westbrook, I don't think that you are looking at sidekicks. To have that uh, championship owned, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like nobody expected Pippen to win championships. You see what I'm saying? Jordan, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, as great as Pippen was, he was a sidekick to Jordan, and as great as Russell Westbrook is, he is Kevin Durant's sidekick. And because of that, you're looking at KD to bring you the championship. Um, I think that in the case of a CP. You know, he's been regarded as the best point guard for so many years that it's kind of like, okay, maybe the best point guard should be able to compete for the championship. But, what you know, all the years that CP was in New Orleans, I've always said he didn't have enough talent around him. Now he has that. And as a point guard, I always say a little man can't be the only thing you have on a championship team because if that's it, you're not going to win. You're just mm-hmm. not going to win because a little man is a little man, and, he, and basketball is physical as much as it is mental. And even though uh, CP can sometimes physically dominate his matchup, he cannot physically dominate the game, and that's the difference. That's why a LeBron, a KD, a Carmelo, you those guys are uber rare because not only can they go and drop 30 and get – 10 rebounds and five assists and and, and just drop a 30-point quarter because I think probably all three of them have already, is that they can go guard a point guard. You're never going to put CP on LeBron, but you will put LeBron on CP. You'll put Paul George on them, boys. So so that's the difference. That's the reason why I feel like a point guard, you can't put it all on him because because he can't do it. LeBron can do it. When you need, if Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole ain't balling, LeBron go play point guard. Oh, you know what? We're, we don't have no center in the game. Everybody's going to fall down with LeBron go play center. KD go play center. These guys are multifaceted. A point guard is only one position. Can I play with another point guard? Of course. You know, can I, whatever. But a point guard is just a point guard. So he needs more. And CP, I think, has that now. So I think now the championship pressure is on him. I think we always kind of question, like, can he, should he? But now it's kind of like, okay, what else do you need? He's like Russell Wilson. Right. What else do you need, bro? You got everything at your disposal. So let's make it happen. So And, and the other guy is Melo. So we're looking at Melo, too. Anybody I think, has I, I think Mello. to a lesser yeah. degree. But I think because Durant is, when you talk about the players in the league, if you go LeBron is number one, Durant is two. So in that naturally he's he's up next. And, you know, there's there's mounting pressure. Maybe not as much as we might think, but there's mounting pressure for him nah. to win. And, and he knows that he has nah. to get it done. There's pressure. I don't think it's a failure if he doesn't get it done. Nah, I, no, there, there, there's pressure there, Kyle. Think about it. He was he was in the same oh, draft as LeBron, D-Wade, Bosh. 
You know what I'm saying? And already he hasn't been to the conference finals, and KD's been to the championship game. Yeah. Yeah, he's been to the conference finals. Melo been to the conference finals. When? In the West, right? With Denver, yeah. With Denver, yeah. Okay, so he did play in the conference finals one time, but think about it. Oh, and yeah, it's definitely career, pressure on Melo. And, only... and it's, it's <laughs> even more pressure on Melo because he ain't playing so with Jackson's nobody. there now. <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, so, you know, at least Durant can throw the ball too. to. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And here's the added pressure, too. Think about it. B is saying the New York Knicks squad sucks, right? And now he could be an unrestricted free agent. There's pressure on, well, do I take my money and let's try to do this thing in New York or do I do, I do a Miami Heat move and, and go somewhere else where maybe I can win right now? So that that's pressure too. There's a lot of pressure on Carmelo Anthony because I really think that he is our era's Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Derrick Rose? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on with this, but what about Derrick Rose when he comes back? You know, are we looking at him for for a title now? Uh, uh, you know, a, a pre past MVP. Um, is he there I yet? I think a lot's going to depend on what kind of Derrick Rose we get. I mean, we at this point we don't know what kind of Derrick Rose oh, we're going to get. You know what? Look, yeah. this is all I this is all I have to say on the D Rose thing. Again, this is why I love that in the brand because it allows a person like FIFO to say what he wants and it's documented and y'all could go back because I know I'm right. I know I'm right. <laughs> the ACL of Derrick Rose is perfectly fine. He is off he's been off of it for two years, strengthening it for a year and a half. The and the, the meniscus the same thing that Russell Westbrook has gotten surgically repaired three times in one year, and you see what this guy is still able to do. I don't know why we're questioning Derrick Rose the same way. I, I truly don't. I truly don't. Give this man the opportunity to come back. He's going to play in USA basketball. He's going to show you all he's still physically dominant. The basketball, the, the basketball timing is not going to be there. He'll get it. And when he does, and I and, I, and here's another thing too, when when Carmelo goes to Chicago and they build that, man, that's gonna be a problem. And I think yeah. that I think for D Rose, it's not him carrying it by himself no more because of the injury. But I think it's can D Rose lead a championship team. So I think the narrative slightly changed, but I still think that there's a championship onus on him because as soon as he won the MVP, his title is his title contest. Oh, Chicago's a title contender. They have D. Rose. But now, because people are questioning, and we 100% don't know what he's going to come back to, but right. he is a point guard. Can you come out here and if we put a squad around you, we give you even more help? Because Jordan didn't never, he never had two All-Stars. D. Rose has played with two All-Stars, even though I, Luol Deng is not a superstar and nowhere near Scotty Pippen level. You know what I'm saying? But I think that if you get him Carmelo, you keep Joe Kim, you build that roster, now that I think he gets pressure because it's like, okay, you have more than most other point guards in this league. All right. Definitely, definitely, definitely. The phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Uh, let's jump to a question. We, we kind of uh, kicked this around the other day, and we decided to bring it to the show. Now, you guys know hip-hop. You guys know hip-hop inside and out as well as I do. And, and, and we talked about – we were talking about – how the balance of powers have shifted in basketball. Obviously, you know, I mean, it's not it's not really up for debate the fact that the West is that much stronger. Where you have uh, teams like the 
teams like the who's who's the eighth seed? Uh, was it Dallas? Dallas is the eighth seed, and you know if you put them in the East, then they you know based on their record, they would be a three seed. Um, so we were talking about the balance of power, and we mentioned uh, the balance of power shifting in hip hop, where hip hop once was dominated by the East. Uh, you know, now tends to, you know, a lot of people think that it's being dominated more so out west and in the south in particular than it is out east. So, question I'll throw out to you guys, a couple, a two-part question. I'll, I'll start with you first, uh, B. Does hip-hop reflect the NBA as far as west being better and deeper in, as far as the talent in the east? And then who are the talented rappers from the east, excuse me, the west, and who are the talented rappers that you that you would consider talented? I don't mean just dudes just rapping to be rapping, uh, or chicks for that matter, be rapping to be rapping, but uh, who are the talented rappers from the West, and who would you consider the talented rappers from the East? Does it mean like new, new and up-and-coming rappers, or just all... Well, we, like, yeah, we can go new and up-and-coming, because I mean, I, anybody, you know, because if you don't, you know, somebody, you know, they'll be throwing out Jay-Z and LL and Rakim and them. Um, yeah, in the West, you've got uh, well, you get Kendrick, Afro, J-Rock. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the, the whole TDE crew. Um, um, who else? Golly. YG. Uh, talented, though? I mean, he got, I mean, uh, yeah, like, are we basing off of, like, popularity? Or, like, who's buzzing? Just, or, well, you know what? I'll put it like this. Rappers, who rappers you think is talented? Buzz. Because... Yeah, it's, it's because who, who you think is talented, I may not think. Like you may say YG, I might think YG is terrible. Yeah, I mean, like he, I mean, he, YG has a buzz, but I don't think he's like just a talented rapper. Um, I do, but that's cool. Yeah, our uh, future. Yeah, I, yeah, Staples. Yeah, Vince was cool. Um, and he, these guys just got buzz. I mean, yeah, Dom Kennedy. Um. I guess you want to say Freddie Gibbs. It's not like he claiming the West, even though he still rep Gary mm-hmm. Indiana. But it's like he's, it's not like LA is his, is his new claim mm-hmm. home. Um, well, shit. Well, I'm drumming. I would say Blue, but he's been out for a little bit. He's been out for a little bit. Um, we can do that too. Yeah. Shit. Oh man, I'm drawing up a blank as far as like new guys. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay, I could I could jump in there over or anybody you can think of out of the East as far as not necessarily they don't have to be like first album out, but I mean just you know new cats Dizzy. on the scene that that you think that you like. On the West East Coast, uh, I mean you know, pro area, Joey Badass and and, and company, uh, Action Bronson, um, Rock Marciano, mm-hmm. um, Flatbush Zombies, um, uh, shoot. Who else? Who else in New York? Detroit, uh, Go PP7s. Uh, that, that's, 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 not, that's not East Coast, though. That's Midwest. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's like, not East Coast, but I'm just saying in the NBA, Detroit is in the East. Oh. Oh. I thought we were just doing it strictly like just like New York versus no. L.A. type thing. Oh. No. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Clear Soul Forces. Um, You've been on them for like a minute, that. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of cats in Detroit. I mean, they just don't got like a, a buzz, but talent wise, yeah, I think they could, they could bar for bar anybody. And, and I mean, Elzai, I mean, he's not new though. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't um, still nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, you got big I cannot, over there. 
Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. They talking about guys, Kyle said Kyle, guys that I like, that I think that I talented. <laughs> Big Sean is not one of them. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I was, I was about to name some guys on the East Coast that, you know, that's not talented, but they just got buzz. I mean, on the East Coast, but whatever. I mean, y'all come up. Who y'all got? Who, who you got, Ken? Yeah. FIFO, I know guy, because he, he, he texted me like 20 different names. I was like, man, hold up. Man. I was like, let's save some of this for the show. <laughs> what about you, Ken? Uh, balance of power, man. Who do you like out west as far as rappers, and who do you like back east as far as rappers? Um, You know, out, out west, man, of course. I'm repping uh, TDE, man, you know, all day. I, I like them a lot, um, always have. Um, you know, I, I'll give props to to Nipsey Hussle with with some of the things that that he's he's been able to do uh, career wise. Um, you know, with him selling the the tape and all that. Um, uh, yeah, of course, Odd Future. You got Earl and and even Title of the Creator. Um, there's also another rapper out there, uh, Scheme. I think he's he's cool. Uh, I think the, he dropped a, a mixtape. I, you know, so and, I, and I'm trying to remember if there's two different schemes because there's one with S C H E M E and then there's a S K E M E I think. But anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, he, he was cool. Um, um, you know, I think it kind of kind of kind of stops there for me. Um, there's a you know, I, I think with the hypey sound stuff that they have, if you want to go to guys like YG or or Problem. Or locksmith, then you can throw them in, in, into the pot as well. Um, if you look beyond guys that just rap, rap, um, and just look to guys that just that's just West Coast, you know. And I think there is a, a, a difference between the two, um, you know. So YG may not be the best rapper in the world, but out West and what he's able to do with the West Coast sound and capture that, or locksmith, or problem and stuff like that, you know, you can you can easily throw them in the pot just for that alone. Um, so um, when it comes to the East, um, I think you got you have guys like Bodega Bams, um, uh, uh, Phony People is a group that that I like a lot. That that's doing some things out there. Um, of course, guys that we've reviewed like Underachievers, Pro Era, Joey Badass. Um, uh, let's see who else. Um, I'm trying to think of some guys that that B has a name to kind of. Give it a little bit more variety, but but there there's some guys out out east that that's starting to pop, man. I think that we we kind of need to keep. Yeah, our, our y'all own. naming east. I wasn't naming Midwest. <laughs> I mean, if you um, want to if you want to get if you want to get technical people, then Big Crit, Big Crit. Mm-hmm. East, well, that's that's stuff. I mean, you know, your boy your boy Logic, yeah, your boy Logic. So yeah, I mean, if you want to, if I think if that's the case, yeah, I think the east can hold up against the west. Then if you think, if you if you want to go. South and all that stuff, Midwest. Go just put Detroit and, and the South in there. I just can't think. Well, of what about you? I mean, people, yeah. which way, go ahead and share with the people what you some of the names you threw out to us. You said that that the West was winning right now. Who me? Yeah, I, I think you know overall, um, the, the West is a little bit more buzzworthy at the moment. Um, you know, so you know. I, and, 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 and I'm taking it from the artists, again, that I like, you know, because obviously in the South, everybody's popping. Everybody is doing something out here in Atlanta, so I'm, I'm kind of discounting them. Um, but I, I think out of the artists that I like, I think, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot more of them are, are, are starting to come out of the West, and the West is very strong right now. So, 
that that's that's where that whole thing came from. Because I was just thinking one day, you know, what are some of these these West artists, you know, like Nipsey, like Dizzy, like like Our Future, TDE, and you know, I'm like, man, it's just kind of like the landscape of basketball right now. So just pose the question, but you know, I still think that the West is probably doing it a little bit, you know, uh, bigger right now in terms of newer acts. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny because Dizzy Wright doesn't even pop in my head. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, not saying that he's a bad rapper or anything. Uh, it's just when I, I when I think West you Coast, think I don't even think about him. But yeah. Yeah, Hobson, but because he's not yeah, the Hobson. coast. <clears throat> he's just West. Yeah, Hobson too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody mentioned Hobson in the, in, the, in the chat room. I, a guy that, that you didn't mention was, and I mentioned in the text was one of my favorites from the West was uh, Crooked Eye. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. TDE probably jumps off the page. Um, I'm really, you know, following where those guys. Huh? Audio push. They're really yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about them too. Yeah, another another artist right there. Um, I'm I'm still gonna go. I, I've always had an easy, and I'll I'll be the first to admit I've always had since my since I started listening to hip hop back in '85. I've always had an East Coast bias. Now I did like you know certain acts out of the West like Snoop, Cube, all the whole NWA movement, Razzcast, Too Short, the whole nine. But for me, that's what I grew up. I grew up on East Coast hip hop, and then obviously you know coming up in the South, you know we got Luke and and Scarface and the Ghetto Boys and so forth and so on. But um, right now, man, I, I like I, I like what the pro era, what their whole team is doing. I like, um, like you said, if you go east, I'm thinking south too. So I gotta throw Crit in there. I gotta throw. Um, I'm trying to think of some ones that you guys didn't name. Um, I, I like Nip- Nipsey Hussle too in the West. Too. I forgot about him. I like I like his I like what he's done thus far. In, in a, he seems like he's done a lot in a very short period of time. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think right now, man, I think the balance as far as just you know MCing, you know rhyming and just you know bringing something different to the table. Uh, of course, our future, you know, I mean those cats stand out. It goes out saying Tyler, you know, very creative cat. Um, I think I think it's about even to be honest. <laughs> you know, once people threw it out there, I, and people started naming all, and he named a couple of people that I didn't necessarily like, but I understood where. You were what you were talking about, what you were saying. Um, I thought it was kind of even, um, you know, when you talk about the balance of powers in, in, in East and West, as far as where hip hop is right now. So, um, of course, there's no right or wrong answers. Um, everybody has their own favorites. Um, somebody, uh, somebody mentioned they said, does Dizzy even rep the West? I would. I've always associated yeah. Dizzy right with the West. Have, have you guys? Yeah, yeah you, I always have. Yeah, you just I don't, don't think about it because his music doesn't sound westish. Like you know, doesn't have a a particular west sound you know sound to it. But he always talks about Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think Buzzworthy though. I I I I see where I think Fifo does present um, a strong argument. He made a good case. Um, yeah, because if you, if you do look at the the East Coast guys like. Man, we could reel off, like, if we really sat down, you know, and really started going through some of these East Coast rappers, people will look at us with these confused look on our head, like, who are you guys talking about? 
You know what I'm saying? But yeah. like in the East, you can you can say Paul George, you can say LeBron, you can probably say Melo, you know, and and maybe some of the old heads. So the old heads like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, those low mm-hmm. old rappers, right? So they don't mm-hmm. kind of count. But some of those young cats you can name in the East, people kind of know. But if you say Demarc Rosen, I mean shit, DeRozan, and all those other guys, these young cats that are just making a name for themselves, nobody's gonna really know. Yeah, yeah but you go out west, yeah. man. Like the west, I, I think you can reel off a couple of people's name, and people are like, "Oh yeah, 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 I like him a lot." And okay, because they a couple of that couple west of, coast couple of I've ever heard of, I'm gonna read back to you from the chat room, my man, uh, Michael Warlock said, "Rat King, Flatbush Zombies, and Denzel Curry." I've heard of right. Curry, never heard of Rat King or Flatbush Zombies. Y'all familiar with them? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. see, there you yeah. go. Okay, okay. But, but that yeah, but only hip hop, hip hop. Like you gotta be be like in it, so. Yeah, I, I can. I think. I think the West, man. The West is strong, man. I think. B, D, didn't you and I talk about this a while back? Maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, I, don't remember, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. But the West. I, the I'm gonna go out on a limb and say y'all should make this a dead end hip hop conversation. <laughs> Who's winning, the East or the West? Y'all probably would set all kind of. Y'all, y'all probably would set a, a couple of fights up like that too. Like who's winning? <laughs> and everybody just come on with their topics or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm loving the feedback. Got a lot of great feedback in the chat room as well. Um, keep the keep the uh, comments coming in. Phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six four six four seven eight zero three five six. We're versatile on here, man. We talk. We, we will talk hip hop on here a lot. Uh, you you know how we get down. We we love sports. We love hip hop. There's a marriage between the two. So uh, anytime we get a chance to talk hip hop, we definitely will. Um, Next subject I wanted to jump to, man, and I got to we got to start with the with the with the resident Detroit representative, man. Um, this past Thursday night, ESPN did their uh, critically acclaimed Thirty for Thirty. This time it was on the uh, basketball team, the Detroit Pistons, aka the Bad Boys. Um, very well documented uh, history as far as what they did and what they accomplished. Um, I'll start first with you, B man. What what did you think about ESPN's Thirty for Thirty, man? How, how did you like it, and what what did you take away from it? Oh man, I loved it, man. It, it it took me back to like why I you know got it, fell in love with basketball when I first started watching basketball in the mid to late eighties, and and you know once you know Isaiah Thomas made a point that I think a lot of fans, a lot of us fans, even you know even yeah, me, FIFO, Ken, whatever, and Kyle that played ball, you know that Isaiah you know made a point that. You know, after when they lost to the Bulls in '91, he was like, "You gotta, you gotta forget." Um, people forget back in that era. You know, you had to really be mentally tough, not only physically tough because you know, of course, the, the, the sport of basketball was a lot physical back then. But for them to make that run from like you know '87, '86 all the way to '91, I mean, that was a heck of a run. And you know, physically, I can physically and mentally, I can see why they was kind of like, "Okay, yeah, this is this is, this is the end of our road." You know, yeah, this is it because you know that that's a that's tough to go. You know, to make that run to the Eastern Conference Finals or you know to the finals year in and year out. You're already playing 82 games a season, then you got to go through the physical beatdown of each playoff series because teams are coming at your head. And you know, it it, it was cool. I, I thought it was just real good for teams to see that. And another thing that I think a lot of uh, that Isaiah made a point too that a lot of, I don't know if a lot of teams are doing this today is like the, the sacrifices these players made. You had a player like Mark Aguirre that came over from Dallas that was, you know, averaging, you know, 26, 25 points a game. 
went to Detroit, could have easily been like, I still want to be the man, but he sacrificed his game. And then in the 89-90 season, sacrificed his start, which I didn't know that. I didn't even know that. I didn't know he sacrificed the start lineup to give it to Rodman. You know what I'm saying? It's like how many players will really stand up and really sacrifice, you know, I guess their numbers to win championships, you know, and they won right. another championship that same year as well. And it's like, how many players will be willing to step up and do that now, you know, in today's NBA? You know, I guess, you know, you got a lot of players making so much money and you might have some incentives with these contracts. But it, I think this is amazing how, like, all these players make a lot, not not just the Pistons, but just, I'm, I'm speaking for all teams, like a lot of teams back then. A lot of players sacrifice their game just to, just to get that championship, just to get that win, man. And it's like, you don't, you don't see that now in the NBA. And I also want to make another point, and I was just like, I was, oh, I'm so glad Jordan said this, too, because I remember I used to say this back in the day. And I, was <laughs> I, I didn't know what you were going to say. All the little Jordan lovers back then used to be like, man, you crazy. No, no. But he, I'm glad he said it on this on this stage. He was like, if it wasn't for the bad boys, I don't think I would have been mentally tough enough to win those six championships. Me and, you know, myself and the Chicago Bulls. If we didn't have to go through you know, the bad boy Pistons. And I'm like, thank you, Jordan. I'm glad. Because I used to always say that. I was like, I used to say to all the Jordan lovers, look, y'all love Jordan, but it won't be for my bad boys. Jordan wouldn't be Mr. Yourself, but he wouldn't be the Jordan that he is that we love and appreciate now. And I'm glad he said that on that stage and, you know, on that documentary, man. I'm so glad. And I'm glad that they showed how the Boston Celtics walked off on us in 1988 when we, when we beat them. Only person that that stayed and gave us play was Kevin McHale, but everybody else walked off before the time expired. Celtics didn't get didn't get World War Three, but then we did it to the beloved Jordan. And all of a sudden, we just we had no class team. <laughs> so I was like, man, and I remember me and my dad used to be complaining about that when it happened. We was like, Bird didn't walk off on us, and then, and then nobody say nothing. But you know, we did it to Jordan, and then we just loaded the classes. Squad ever, so you know, I'm, I, I, that that pissed me off. I'm glad that they showed that in the documentary. But overall, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was well documented, and it, it just kind of showed you how, you know, when Rodman left Detroit, how he just went, you know, he just started, you know, he he didn't have that structure like Isaiah and them said they had as a family. You know, when they were teammates, they had a structure, and then I think, and yeah, it just yeah, and it's crazy how the Bulls end up getting Rodman and John Sally and James Edwards. <laughs> on their squads as they, you know, to roll to six championships. But I thought the documentary was great, man. I mean, you know, Isaiah's fucking beast, man. Isaiah, they don't make him like Isaiah no more, man. I swear, they don't. As tough as he was, that that was crazy. I can go on and on, but I, I'll let y'all go ahead. I can, I can talk about <laughs> half That's why we let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about half an hour, man. What about you, FIFO, man? What did you think about the uh, ESPN documentary, the 30 for 30, man? Um, I think it was great. Um, I, I think that what, what it brought me back to, and, and you know what, before I get started, I have to just one point be said. When people come together now, we give them flack for teaming up. So back then it was heralded in today's basketball. If you, if you get traded or if you want to go to a specific team to better your chances to win a championship, people use that against them now. So that's how I feel about it. But in terms of the overall documentary, man, like like B said, it brought me back to when I, when I fell in love with basketball and just how tough it was. Like, you know, like that's what I grew up on. Like, I, I like, Kyle, you've never seen me on the basketball court. I, 
B and Ken can attest. I am one of the toughest guys on the court that you'll ever play with or against. I, you're just not going to get anything easy because that's what I learned. That's what I saw. That's what kind of mentored me. That's what made me want to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't soft, and, and, and I enjoyed the physical nature about it. You know, and, and just watching the NBA now, it, it's kind of like they swung the pendulum way too far because it's, it's, it's way, 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 way softer than what it was. And watching that, I was like, whoa, I, I didn't realize how silent it was. You know, because it's not like I'm watching that type of basketball every day. But, you know, but, but, but it was great to see that. And like B said again, you know, it was great to see Michael Jordan really give credit to them. And after watching that documentary, it really hit me that I don't think that there's ever going to be a, a, a better basketball player than Michael Jordan, mainly for the reason that no – NBA superstar is ever going to have to go through the physical and mental toughness test that Michael Jordan had to go through. You know what I'm saying? Like LeBron, you know, he, he got there. Or it, it, it's just a different era. The, ba- the way basketball is played is different. The way you get recruited in the college is different. Just everything about it is different. And, and I think that after watching that, I'm like, yeah, Jordan is On the greatest. Planet. He's, He's on another, on another planet. planet. Nobody's ever going to touch him. The whole iconic thing, you know, this, that, and the third. And realistically, he does need to be the NBA logo. You know, I know that's a conflict with Nike or, you know, I don't know, but they, they need to really do that because he's the greatest, man. He's the, nobody's going to catch. Nobody will ever be, will be able to surpass what he was able to accomplish. I, at least I don't think so mainly because of how physical it was. Just based off that, I think that you still have to be mentally tough now. You know, winning a championship in 2014 is not, you know, an easy feat, even compared to the 90s, but, and, you know, in the late 80s, but yeah. I just, I, hey, I don't hey, see it. I don't, I don't hey, see another hey, player having to do that. Hey, FIFA, wasn't it crazy that Robert Perez gave Bill Ambeer a two-piece and he didn't even get a Jordan era 
that we just forget that Magic Johnson had point. five. <laughs> right. Larry Bird just killed it. You know what I'm saying? That as Isaiah had to force his way in between that. Isaiah had to get his before Jordan even got his first one. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jordan was the last to get his, and he made the most of his opportunities, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it was Bird. It was magic. It was Isaiah. And then Jordan just came in. He just, you know, he just kind of put the put the uh, seal on it and just closed the era out um, because of the Jordan rules and the change of the game from that because they realized that Jordan was making so much money for them that they had to protect him, you know, especially when he's crying about, you know, to the papers like they're trying to hurt him, this, that, and the other. But I got news for you, Jordan. They're trying to hurt every damn body. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the thing that I liked about that. Not the fact that they were trying to hurt people, but just how tough they played. You know, and 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 I missed it. And 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 you know what? There, there's another part that that really struck me was when they play L.A. and 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 Magic Johnson was like, we ain't, ain't got no worries, you know, because they can come in here and they can be tough. You know what I'm saying? But man, we we tough too. We're not gonna back down. So it showed how mentally tough they were when it came to, to you know, winning championship because they've been there and they've done that before themselves. And, um, and man, I, I remember collecting the basketball cards. You know, I remember having the, the Vinnie Johnson card and the Isaiah Thomas card and the Lambeer card. I remember liking and disliking Bill Lambeer because he was just so damn crazy on the court. Everybody just liked Bill Lambeer. <laughs> yeah, man, but I just love the blue collar of the Detroit Pistons. I love yeah, the bad boys. It represented us, man. It represented us. It represented the city of Detroit so well, man. It was a good time for the city of Detroit during that time, man. It, it, it was great. Like, just the way that, that the way the bad boys carried themselves. I mean, and it's crazy. Isaiah said they had curfews. Like, you would never thought it's, you know, silly and knit and exciting their family they was, they had curfews during that time. Like, they was really checking in, and that's why, and it's like, that's why they were meant to be tough, and that's why they were still, they was making a run that they was able to face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Scotty Pippen a bitch. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let you go on your tirade, you know, your, your, your tirade about that. But I want to I talk about uh, Dennis Rodman real quick because, you know, I, I thought that that was really touching how, you know this kid who who had a a, a pretty rough past, you know past growing childhood mm-hmm. growing up, you know mm-hmm. watching his mom drag across the court, and and he got the opportunity to play basketball because he was six foot seven. The guy was mopping floors, and he got an opportunity to to play basketball, man, and and go out there and he just played with heart, courage, and conviction. And and he got an opportunity now to be at the point now where he's running around pissing off people because he's going to North Korea. And, and right. that just shows what basketball and, and this sport can do for people like a Rodman who, who had nothing before him, who had no life before him. And that's why, and I'm, I'm bringing this up and we don't have to touch on it, we can, but that's why I had issues and I have issues with the Deshaun Jackson thing, because when you start doing what they were doing, what they did to him, and when you take it to the level that they could potentially take it, if you look forward, it could take away the opportunities from guys like Dennis Rodman, who all he wanted in his life, all he wanted was to be awarded something, was to feel accepted, was to for somebody to say, "Man, you deserve 
this, that I love you, you know, and then and to see him cry when he got up to the podium was so player, moving yeah. because he came from yeah. nothing and he had a family that he didn't have. That's man and he had, come yeah, on he had man. Right, yeah. Come on, man. Chuck Daly, Chuck Daly and them, that was his family. Like Chuck Daly was like the closest of a father figure that he ever ever had. You know what I'm saying? Bill and Isaiah gave him structure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so that's yeah. Why, yeah, that was that's crazy, man. That that's like yeah, that was crazy. So, yeah, so I, I just wanted to, to bring that up. I don't want to get into that conversation, but it just shows what this sport can do for us. You know, it shows what hip-hop can do for, for us. And, and just, just forget us. It just shows what it can do for people if you're willing to work hard and you're given an opportunity, man. So, um, you know, I, I just thought that that was really, really moving because this guy was, was headed towards nowhere and, and, and look at him. So, so yeah, that, that's, my, that's my piece. Man, those are. I think everybody's made some great points. You know, waxing poetic about uh, the Detroit Pistons and bad boy teams. Um, let the bad boy haters speak up. <laughs> oh man, growing up, man, I hated the Pistons. I, I'm not gonna sit here and 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 and, and sugarcoat it. Actually, before I started my my my, my tirade, a uh, shout out to everybody in the chat room, man. Let me shout the fellas out in the chat room, man. My man Charles. Who uh, actually writes on uh, on the Dead End uh, Dead End Hip Hop website? Uh, we got a couple of guests in there. My man Jay Jay uh Machiavelli, Michael Warlock, Roll Tide, Shelvin, and uh, Trumpet Truns. Uh, shout out to the, all everybody in the chat room, man. Uh, pass the word. We're right here every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We keep it uh, cracking in the chat room. So definitely appreciate everybody showing up. Uh, you, you guys aren't in the chat room, so you can't see it, but um, when we started the hip hop conversation, <laughs> the, the conversation went straight from sports to hip hop. So we've been talking about rappers for the last ten, fifteen minutes, but uh, definitely enjoying the conversation as well. Uh, so shout, shout out to everybody in the chat room. Um, yeah, man, I hated Detroit growing up. Man, I, I love Jordan, so I hated Detroit. Um, I hated everything about him. Uh, I really didn't like the you know the way that Isaiah little punk ass snuck off the court. And I think the difference was was that, you know, Isaiah snuck off the court and he had to walk past Jordan. He could have gave Jordan dap. He could have said, what's up, Mike? He could have said something. You know, but I will say this. In my hate for Detroit, I actually walked away from ESPN's 30 for 30 on the bad boys with a newfound respect for them. I, I have respect for their hustle. I have respect for how they went about their business you know, they didn't have the best. I mean, outside of, outside of uh, Isaiah and Joe D, they didn't have, yeah. like, a lot of talent. I mean, Lane Beer, he couldn't have started for, you know, a lot of teams in the NBA. Uh, Rodman was a guy who had a lot of hustle. Now, what, a couple of things that I did find out, um, you know, that was interesting to me was, like B, B mentioned, um, I remember distinctly when the Pistons eliminated Boston. And I remember that scene of Isaiah and Kevin McHale giving each other a pound, and I and I remember that I remember that scene vividly because that's what we saw. What we didn't see was Bird and Parrish and those guys walking Dennis up the court. Yeah. We never saw yeah. that, so I didn't I did not realize that until the other night. And I've always and been Kyle. critical of D- yeah, go ahead, B. And Kyle, you know you know what Kevin McHale said to Isaiah too when he gave him that dap. What did he say? He said he said don't just go there and win it. Don't just, when you go oh, to the man, finals, that's, don't, and just, that's don't just play, win it. Yeah, that's what he said. He, and, he said and, that, and that's love from that's a team that you just yep. – Yeah, exactly. 
That's why Isaiah gave him depth. That's why Isaiah gave him depth because he said, don't just go there and win it. And, and uh, you know, they went there and, damn, man, that's crazy. That shit give me goosebumps all over again. <laughs> and that's love when you get that from a team that you just beat. Uh, or excuse me, the team that just beat you, and you basically pack it because Boston knew they knew right there at that point the torch was being passed. Yep, um, it was being they, passed. they weren't going to sustain it anymore. The, the new kids on the block yep. had arrived, and they weren't going yep. anywhere. And so I, I, I gained a newfound respect for that. I still don't like the fact that Detroit walked off, but I understand it a little bit better now. Um, as far as the backlash that Isaiah received, I think the documentary touched on that very well. You know, I think it was just it was really bad timing. You know, the Olympics were coming up. Jordan had all, Jordan and Isaiah didn't like each other already. You know, Joe, Isaiah had allegedly, you know, froze Jordan out of the All-Star game. Um, so there was already bad blood. That right there, them walking off the court, um, you know, from what I understand, Jordan made it clear when they asked him to play that he was down to play as long as Isaiah wasn't playing. So, you know, he didn't make any bones about it that he didn't want him on his team. So it was just... It wasn't a good look for Isaiah. I don't even to this day. I don't even know that they necessarily like each other. I think they have respect for each other. Um, but Jordan and Isaiah never got along. Um, but I, I, like I said, I gained a newfound respect. Like you said, uh, uh, like Kim was saying, you know, they were a team. They were like a family, and and everybody stuck together. And I think even in watching how Rodman evolved uh, into the sideshow that he became, all of that stuff happened. Once the bad boys split, if the bad boys don't split and they don't, you know, get rid of Rodman and then break up the team and everything, and he stays under Chuck Daly, we may not have ever seen the Dennis Rodman with all the tattoos and dating Madonna and all of that crazy stuff like that. Um, you know, so I, I gained a newfound respect for the Pistons overall, man. Phenomenal. I think it was probably hands down in, in the top three. ESPN 30 for 30s that I've seen. And, and, I, and I say that in reverence. I think it was a, a very well put together documentary. Uh, I got it on my DVR, plan to watch it again. Um, we were tweeting throughout, and, and as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as Jordan came on there and mentioned that, you know, he hadn't been the player that uh, he was without them, I immediately got a tweet from B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I immediately got think, a tweet from B. If you think about this, man, like Isaiah beat Jordan – Bird and Magic, like, like mm-hmm. that's crazy. Like you know, what I mean? and I think that's why I think that's why a lot of people hated us because those three players were the most beloved players in the NBA at that time. And here you go, you got a team called the Bad Boys. Who are y'all? You know, you know, they don't we don't got like all this glamour and superstars. And we come in beating Bird and beating Magic and beating Jordan. They're like, I don't want to see that. I, I want to see our beloved Jordan. Or I want to see Bird and Magic in the finals. So. You know, I think that also adds to, like, the hate for the Pistons so much because it was like Isaiah was knocking down your favorite players. You know, they, they, we was beating them. You know what I mean? Just knocking them out. Knocking them out. And people were just still hating us and hating us. Isaiah was out And there I, I think, you know, and, and, and shout out to my man um, Jay Neggs on, on, on Twitter. He did say that. And Isaiah did admit that, you know, if given the opportunity, he would have done it differently. And, I mean, he, he would have. And I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily knock. The, the Pistons like I once did because they were just doing what was done to them and, and you know, they didn't really and now if if it happens, you know, and like I said, I think the thing that made it a little bit more difficult was Boston was already if you know how the the well, they weren't playing, that was the Superdome I think at that time, uh, not Superdome, yeah, Pontiac, Silverdome Pontiac, Pontiac, Silverdome, yeah. Silverdome, Silverdome yeah, yeah. Pontiac, Silverdome. so when Boston walked off the court, their bench was already on that end, so they didn't have to walk 
past Detroit. Um, you know, but like I said, a lot of things I took away from the documentary, man. I thought it was well put together. Um, like I said, for somebody who hated the Pistons as much as I did, uh, <laughs> I have a newfound respect for them. And, and I've always said that. I respect the way they play. Uh, you know, I, they, I didn't like the way they played, but I respected the way they played. And, and they definitely made Jordan and Pippen the players that they are. And, and you know, and if you don't, you, you have, and I think another thing that we learned from that is that, you know, you have to, you know, Isaiah, he had to take his lumps before they could get over the hump to get over Boston. Yeah. Boston and then they had yeah. to get, you know, you know, same with L.A. And, you know, we kind of saw that with the Bulls. The Bulls, had to, they had to take their lumps to get over them, yeah. and then they finally got over the yeah. hump. And, you know, that's still kind of manifesting to this day. I mean, we've seen, you know, a great player like LeBron has to take his lumps trying to get over the hump, and now he's over the hump. You know, and some may say that, you know, Durant is in that same position where he's trying to get over the hump now, and, you know, he may run into uh, San Antonio in the conference finals. He may run into LeBron and, and, and company in the finals. Um, it just remains to be seen, but the pattern has been set, and that's usually it's basically nothing really happens automatically. you got to kind of earn it, and it's done over a period of time. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Man, this show is flying by. We only got like 13 minutes left. Um, I want to jump to another question as far as the NBA play- playoffs obviously are going on right now. Um, the the playoffs has always been known as this is the time where, where players make their money. This is where the time where they make their money and make the name for themselves. Um, there are a lot of players that are deserving of the praise that they'll get, and then there are a lot of players who honestly are very overrated. Uh, so the question I want to throw out to you guys is, who is the most over, in your opinion, who is the most overrated player in the NBA playoffs right now. Ken, I'll start with you first. Who is the most overrated player in the NBA playoffs right now? Because I know we're we you know we're we're up against the clock. I I'll, I'll try to keep this short, but I'm gonna take this moment to hey, take, hey, take finally your time. take we got, my we shot. We got plenty of time. Take your time. I'm, you know, I get a little, little long winded, but I I wanna go on the same man and put it out there, man. <laughs> Roy Hibbert. And 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 at this point, it comes in no surprise with the way he's thinking up the joint, and he's just in a bad mm-hmm. slump. But these numbers are eleven and six, and 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 I'm going all the way back to when he, you know, had his quote unquote coming out party when he was torturing Miami, um, you know, last year in the finals, and everybody thought he was this great, you know, center, this, that, and the other, and I, you know, and I, and I kept saying to people, I said he's playing Miami, most centers do that to Miami. If right. you look at him, he's, you know, some of his shots are coming on a lot of rebounds and shit like that. But if you, you put him up against another big, he he's not that good. He, he, he's, he's compared to the guys that I grew up watching, he, he's a scrub. He's mediocre. In today's NBA, yeah, people because people are not used to seeing that, but I grew up watching Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, who we mentioned earlier today. Freaking Rick Smith would probably yeah. cook him. You know, Vladdy Divock had some game when he was playing. You know, so I grew up watching these guys play the center position. Oh, and Shaq. Shaq killed it. You know, so for somebody to sit here and say that Roy Hibbert, you know, is this, this great center, it, it's just appalling, man. You know, it's like, come on. 
you know, so yeah, Roy, Roy Hibbert, man, and and he, the shots he was missing tonight is clearly shows that he was in the, he's clearly in a slump because he's making stuff that a guy his size should obviously make. But beyond the struggle, eleven assists as an All Star, at, at at minimum, that should just be you, you should just be on the ballot, man. So um, finally, people get a chance to see it, and it's not just his struggles now; it's what he's done the whole his whole career. You're seven two, and you can only grab six rebounds. You should be a walking double double. Freaking Omar assist. Omar last year assist from Houston is a walking right. double double. Come on, man. Come on. Anyway, uh, that's all. What I about you, Tifo, man? Most overrated player in the NBA right now. Um, and for everybody hey, listening, uh, I got you. Um, and for everybody listening, that was like the short version of Ken. Cause like, you know, Ken typically, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, honestly, for me, I, I don't think that there's an overrated player right now in the, in, in, in the league. So I, I wanted to address this. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it. And this is my moment. The most overrated thing of the NBA playoffs are the refs. The refs have been atrocious. That very first game with, 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 with the Clippers and the um, that was terrible. And Golden State. Golden State. Oh my God! What what is a foul? I'm I'm, I'm talking about there were bad fouls in the Houston Portland game. You know, I I think that that was a great game. And again, I said that that was going to be the toughest matchup to pick. But right. the refs have been overrated. They just need to let these people play. A lot of this contact is just necessary contact amongst men that are running and jumping and putting their maximum effort toward one goal. Like there's gonna be some bumping and, 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 and some 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 play, some basketball play. And they are calling it way too close. Like I really felt as great as the games were that they were a little lackluster mainly because it took away some of the intensity. The rest are just overrated in the twenty fourteen playoffs. Definitely, yeah. The, the refs, man, they they've become the stars. They've definitely become the stars. And, and, and you know, man, to be honest, I think the, the officiating has been bad most of the year. I think the playoffs really have just exposed it, man. And, and it's unfortunate because I think the deeper we get into the playoffs, I don't see it getting any better. And it's going to cost a team that's deserving of winning the game down the stretch. And I think that's that's not good for us fans. Um, what about you, B? Who's the most overrated player in the uh, NBA playoffs right now? Uh, Hebert. I guess I meant to go with Roy Hebert. Um, yeah, I couldn't even think of nobody else besides him. So, yeah, I guess he's like the the, the target of the uh, overrated players in the playoffs right now. I was, like, looking through the rosters on all the teams in the playoffs. I couldn't really come up with nobody else, but it's up for him. So, yeah, Roy Hebert. It easily, I mean, Ken pretty much touched on everything. Yeah, you, you, you're seven two. You should be a walk. You should be a 15, you should be a fifteen to fifteen guy easy with your size. You know the size you are. But hey, Ken touched on everything, so I'm Roy Hibbert. I guess hands down. I'm gonna go uh, Roy Hibbert one A one B would be Dwight Howard. Um, I, I, Dwight Howard to me should be more dominant than what he is. I think. Uh, you know, obviously he left L.A., which didn't really make a lot of sense to me either, um, <laughs> you know, because he could have played with Kobe. But, I, you know, what? when you realize, I think, what type of 
player Dwight Howard is mentally, and, and I don't think that Dwight, I think his first year in L.A., he realized that he was going to have to stand up to Kobe, and he was going to have to, Kobe Kobe makes you makes his teammates be accountable, and he holds his teammates accountable, and Dwight Howard didn't want to be accountable. Uh, that being said, I think, you know, they're in a dogfight in this series, and I think the series that they're in is going to go seven games, and I, and I think Portland's going to win it all. Um, but I, he's got to do more, man. He he put out a little quote after the game saying he's got to get his touches, blah, blah, blah. The typical whining stuff. I mean, they're going to give him the ball. He's not going to do anything with it. I think to be as big as he is, to be as skillful as he is, you know, he plays when he's pushed. The problem is they don't have a whole bunch of people to push him. And there's no other – There's not. it's not like there's ten other centers in the league, you know, who can push him. Even if he's facing somebody like Hibbert, He's not, he's probably going to play down to Hibbert's level. So, um, overrated? Yeah, man. I, I'm not sold on Dwight Howard, especially in this first. I think it could be a first-round exit for him and, and Houston Rockets. And it's unfortunate because I think if they don't get out of the first round, Kevin McHale's probably going to get fired. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, right now we got a call on the line. I think it's our folk, our boy Q. Q, what's going on, man? See if I can pull them up. Late. That would help. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. But, yeah, um, you really got to make it real quick. You we up against the clock because we got five minutes left. Real quick. Uh, real, real quick. First off, I was right. Portland told y'all. Marcus Aldridge gave me a little amazing. You said it. Anyway, I wanted to pick you back up what um, Kyle was saying. I wanted to ask y'all. I was looking at the game on Sunday, and Shaq, he was kind of going in on Dwight Howard. He yep. was like, why is he not getting 30 and 15 a night against Robin Lopez? And basically my question, cut to the point, if the Rockets lose this series, does this define Dwight Howard as a player who doesn't have enough heart? And does yes. it define him as just an overall just a lazy player? No. No, because you have to judge Dwight Howard for what he is. He's a defensive center. He is a more athletic, shorter Roy Hibbert. That's all he is. You know what I'm saying? With a little bit more um, offensive prowess. That's all he is. He is not Hakeem Olajuwon. He is not Patrick Ewing. He is not David Robinson. He's none of them guys offensively. So you can't you you can't judge him that way. But here's the thing. I think it does hurt his legacy because as dominant as he is defensively, Ben Wallace was doing it. He was getting them boys to the conference finals and to the chips, too. So Dwight should be able to get out the first round based on his talent. But, but again, it depends on how he plays. If he plays a defensively dominant game, then how can you say that he's not doing what he's capable of doing? Because I disagree with you. We're going to have to come back to this at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we definitely up against that. What Shaq was saying is basically is that you you have Robin Lopez on you, and he is significantly like if Dwight Howard's an A, Robin Lopez is a C minus, and you have to offensively dominate. Just because you're a defensive guy doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to put up numbers over someone who was a lower tier than you. And I think that's what Shaq was getting mad about is the fact that you have Dwight Howard. People want him to be so great, and then you you know you throw up duds. You know, and they go to the point where they have to go to hack a Howard, and he don't come through on some throws. And it's just like, where is like your integrity 
to work on your offensive game is basically what Shaq is saying. And, you know, that's just where he was coming from. And I thought it would have some have some weight to it, you know. But that's basically my cool question for, for the night. Hey, well, as always, Q, man, thanks for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it. All right, man. Yeah, that's All right, Pete. Phone number Q called, area code 646-478-0356. Man, this show has got – this might have been one of the <laughs> – it's the fastest shows we've ever had. Uh, we're getting notification that we only got 90 seconds left. Man, got to thank uh, everybody for ch- chiming in. Everybody, every shout out to everybody that came through in the chat room. Charles, uh, Jay Negs, uh, Michael Warlock, Roll Tide, Shelvin, uh, Trumpet Truns. Uh, everybody that was in the chat room uh, and popping about hip hop. <laughs> we had a real good conversation about hip hop, as well as tonight's sports topics that we covered. Uh, remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every. Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, remember, in the event you cannot listen to the show live, check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. You can also catch us on Stitcher. If you have an Android or iPhone, uh, make sure that you check us out. Just upload the Stitcher application for free. Check dead end sports. Check out our website, deadendsports.com. Hit us up on Twitter at dead end sports. Hit us up individually as well. Um, man. NBA playoffs, hot and heavy action. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week, same time, same station, talking the same stuff, giving it to you hot and heavy as we do each and every week. Uh, for FIFO, for Ken, for B, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace. Peace, 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 peace. Later.